Yet another Williamson County Republican in leadership. This is the week of December 3rd. Welcome to Grand Divisions. I'm your host, Joel Ebert. I'm Natalie Allison. Let's get started real quick here. We're going to do a quick cast. We just came from the Capitol to watch the uh, the state Senate leadership elections in which, um, no surprise, Republicans re-elected by acclamation, which means unanimously, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally to stay in his current position. Uh, that wasn't a shocker, but what was not necessarily a shocker, but the more interesting draw was the uh, Senate ma- uh, majority leader race. Natalie, what happened in that one? Well, Senator Jack Johnson is the new majority leader. Uh, he was up against Mike Bell. The two of them are friends. They sat beside each other the whole time. Uh, when they both went to the front to give their pitches, they both said, no hard feelings either way. Um, you know, Mike's a great guy. Jack's a great guy. But in the end, Jack Johnson did get elected. Unlike the House leadership election, we didn't know by what percent or how many people got uh, or voted for Johnson. I talked to him a little bit afterwards, and he basically said he didn't think he lost any votes. But again, it's on secret ballots. So uh, Johnson wins. Um, That essentially means that, uh, let's break it down here, Williamson County has almost a perfect trifecta here. You've got uh, Governor-elect Bill Lee, who's from Williamson. Uh, You've got Glenn Cassida, who's set to be the next House Speaker. And now you've got Jack Johnson to be in the number two role in the uh, state Senate. That means, uh, you know, essentially the the power dynamics have shifted from East Tennessee uh, most recently, where you had Bill Haslam was a Knoxville Republican. You had Lieutenant Governor uh, McNally and Ron Ramsey, uh, both longtime uh, East Tennessee Republicans. Um, Now the dynamic changed to the middle part of the state, the the most affluent county in the state. What does that mean necessarily uh, for uh, the legislature for the people of Tennessee. Well, and of course, also worth mentioning, our newest senator is, is from there Blackburn, as well, Marsha Blackburn. Course, yeah. Well, you know, I, I spoke to, to Jack Johnson about this the other day when I was talking to him about his bid for majority leader. Do, do you think anyone is going to vote against you because of this? Any kind of anti-Williamson vote? And, and his point was, you know, we could have all of these plans to stack things in favor of Williamson County, but we still have to have the buy-in of, you know, the other members. And so at the end of the day, it still comes down to having those other people on board with this. Um, I'm not sure how easy it would be for them to just, you know, pull all sorts of things to, what, to benefit Williamson County. On the other side, Williamson has some unique problems. One of them is lack of funding for their education system. That is one of the chief complaints that you hear coming out of Williamson County. It would not shock me if, A, the governor-elect introduces some kind of legislation to uh, help some of these counties that have struggled with with education funding, or B, that ends up making it into the final budget of next year. Um, the people that are at the table that are making those decisions are the leadership. So you're going to have uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. You're going to have Jack Johnson and Glenn Cassida there. So if they wanted to, they are certainly in a prime position to say, you know what, uh, this is a historic problem that we've had here. Let's do a pilot program to give it more money for one thing or another. It's just a simple yeah, math of who's around the table. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but hey guys, we're watching you. So we briefly asked Jack Johnson about the power that now lies in Williamson County. You'll hear in this clip, uh, Senator Bo Watson weigh in as he walks down the hall. In state government, you have, um, you do have governor speaker of the house 
and, and now Senate Majority Leader. But when you really look at the breadth of leadership, look at the folks we just elected. I mean, we have a caucus chairman, we have a lieutenant governor, um, uh, we have secretary, we have treasurer, we have committee chairman, outstanding committee chairman. Uh, <laughs> that's right. From, from, from all over the state. And uh, so, yeah, there's, it, I, I view it as more coincidence. And, and you know, the, the thought that, that because the three of us are from Williamson County can get anything done unfairly or, you know, for, for Williamson County, I, I, that's not possible because the governor can't do anything without the General Assembly. And no one in the General Assembly can do anything unless you get 17 in the Senate and 50 in the House. We will keep track of everything uh, that's going on. Of course, we look forward to working with both of, uh, all, I guess, all three of the incoming uh, leadership folks, as well as continuing to work with uh, Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. One of the new faces on leadership is uh, Ken Yeager. He was voted to be uh, Senator, uh, the Senate Republican Caucus Chairman. Um, up against him was um, Senator uh, um, Massey Duncan, uh, Becky Massey Duncan, or Duncan Massey. I always get it wrong. Um, and Brian Kelsey, they all, the three of them bid for this spot and ended up going to Ken Yeager. Uh, what Johnson's departure from this, uh, his main committee, he was on commerce committee and Ken Yeager's departure from his, uh, I forget which committee he was on, uh, means that there's going to be new committee chairs, was it local something. Yes, you're right. State local, and local. Yeah. yeah Senate, local. state and local. Um, means there's going to be committee chairs that are going to be new and fresh faces. So that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, any surprises in the other elections that we had seen today, Natalie? No, I mean, I don't, did, did people have strong expectations either way for any of that? I don't think so. No, I think, I think the, the safe money was on Ken Yeager to win that. That's what I had heard he from some folks. He said he would folks. start fundraising tonight, by the way. Which, uh, because of the fact that there are, are going to be two elections in the state Senate, uh, this coming year, next year, um, that they're going to have to immediately work on. And, they, and as one person in the caucus meeting today mentioned, they don't want to feel like uh, what happened with the Mark Pody race last year, where uh, Republicans kind of took advantage of the fact that uh, they were a stronghold and Pody was really threatened in his special election race that he eventually won. So yeah, I think it, I think you said we don't want the Democrats to sneak up on us this time. Right. So in other news of state legislative and state politics, uh, we had this weekend the Republicans held their state executive committee meeting. Frankly, I didn't want to go to it because it's a Saturday and we've worked plenty of Saturdays recently with the elections. But one interesting thing came out of that meeting. I think maybe there were others, but one of them, um, aside from the fact that uh, the the current chairman, Scott Golden, was uh, reelected. So he's going to continue to serve in his role. And our own Joey Garrison has a similar scoop. I believe it should be out. Hopefully Mary Mancini is going to be running for her position again. But Natalie, what was the SEC uh, news? Well, the state executive committee has basically asked the General Assembly to to pass legislation that would require Tennessee voters to register by party uh, with the Election Commission. That would also close primaries. So you would have to vote in the primary uh, to which you're registered. So if you register as a Republican, you would you would have to 
do that in order to vote in a Republican primary, vice versa for Democrats. So I was talking to Jack Johnson today about that, and he essentially said, well, uh, this misnomer about closed primaries, it, it, it's it's uh, over-exaggeration. And he, he's trying to parse out and say that essentially, if you're a Democrat and you're a longtime Democrat and you want to vote in a Republican primary, what you have to do before you do that today, you could just do that. You could go vote in it. Before that, you have to declare your intentions. You have to file paperwork, whatever that may be. And he said, essentially, that's just, oh, we're happy to have you join us. But, you know, it needs to be before this deadline. And and so there is this sort of semantics issue of, OK, does this officially close the primary in a Jack Johnson sort of mind? He says, no, uh, that it is still a, quote, open primary system. But. Who's going to file? It's close to anyone who isn't a registered Republican. Right. And so who's going to go willy nilly and just say, you know what, this year I'm going to file, you know, a Democrat. Next year I'm going to do a Republican. Registration and you got to do it 45 days. And they haven't set the, the number of days, but, you know, you see what I'm saying. What, what I haven't heard is what it means for unaffiliated voters. Um, so I'm from North Carolina, where if you register unaffiliated, you can vote in either primary. That they, is, they've closed primaries for the parties, but I haven't heard anyone say, if that's a, a kind of a loophole around this. Well, and, and I do think that you, you bring up an interesting point. There are a healthy number of people in Tennessee that are independents. Uh, I mean, you hear that from both Democrats and Republicans that they say, I don't know what, you know, we, because we don't register by party here, we don't have a considerable breakup of who is what. But I do think that there are a lot of people that just don't want to say where they are. So they therefore they would fall into that independent category. So, yeah, we don't know what that means. Why did the SEC do this, though? Well, they basically allege that there's been a couple cases in which they know that Democrats have sort of ganged up and had these hush campaigns to try to get a weaker Republican uh, elected in the primary to go up against their Democratic candidate. Think if Democrats said, you know what, we really like Carl Dean, but we need the best candidate and that uh, that he would run against, and that would be Diane Black. Uh, clearly, that isn't what happened. There weren't enough Democrats that voted in the Republican primary to really make a difference to help Carl Dean. And if you look at that, there would have to be a really considerable concerted effort to make an impact on an election of that nature. I mean, that would be a massive yeah, coup it, it, in a way. I don't know if it could really work as a hush campaign. I think everyone would have to be pretty open about it. People would know. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, Republicans have targeted this practice and, and they uh, have said that they want to go after this. Today, uh, you quickly caught up with two prominent Republicans uh, yes. for their thoughts on it. What did they say? Well, uh, Governor Haslam today, he spoke at the Nashville Rotary, uh, and he was asked about this. What do you think about this proposal? And he said, I'm, I'm strongly opposed to it. He said. Strongly. That's what he said. He said that, you know, he thinks that this is a silly proposal. He doesn't think it will actually help Republicans. Uh, Governor-elect Bill Lee, he said something similar. He said, you know, the system, the way it's, it's functioning now has worked great for us. You know, we've gotten the supermajority in the legislature in recent years, and we have, you know, had two Republican governors now in a row, and I see no need to change it. Despite their opposition, some in their own party are not necessarily, I wouldn't say gung-ho about it, but are open to talking about this idea. And you can count in that camp Jack Johnson and apparently Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally. Yeah, the Lieutenant Governor, he said, you know, he, he thinks that this is something worth hearing out, that he'd like to, you know, get this in the committee process. He also said, you know, he he's not quite sure if Trump would have been elected if if there were closed Republican primaries. So he's he says he's not sure, but he is open to hearing more about it. It should be noted that the 
the state executive committee is really just the place, the sounding board for the red meat of the red meat uh, inside the Republican Party that, you know, there is just a, a lot of griping within it has been at least the few years that I've been. So this idea may not make it, uh, but essentially what they did was pass a resolution to encourage the state legislature to take action on it. We'll see if the state legislature takes them up on that offer. It wouldn't shock me if there is a bill that does that. But, you know, the legislature has a mind of its own. It's got to pass both bodies and ultimately get signed by uh, Governor-elect Lee if it wants to stay in passage. Now we move to the part of the podcast where we give you a dump from our notebooks, everything we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about, but that's worth mentioning from the last week. Uh, So Governor-elect Bill Lee has announced the first of his cabinet members. He's keeping on the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services Commissioner Marie Williams, as well as the Department of Human Services Commissioner Daniel Barnes. Uh, But he's bringing on a new addition, Stuart McWhorter, who is going to be the Department of Finance and Administration Commissioner. So he's he's the new commissioner he's bringing on there. They've also announced some senior staff roles. Blake Harris will be his chief of staff. Butch Ely will be chief operating officer. Lang Wiseman will be the deputy to the governor as well as chief counsel. Chris Walker, communications director. Lane Arnold, press secretary, and Tony Niknajad will be policy director. And this week, we also learned that Wendy Long, the current 10 care director, is leaving her job with the state to go work for Metro Nashville. Governor Bill Haslam is going to be among the attendees of George H.W. Bush's funeral. That will be this Wednesday. Uh, Governor Haslam came out with the announcement early this week and wants to pay his respects in Washington, D.C., along with the rest of the nation. The state of Tennessee is set to execute David Miller on Thursday. That will be the third execution that has taken place this fall. Uh, Four more are scheduled for next year and two more the following year in 2020. Former state rep Steve McManus is among those who are going to run for Mark Norris, the longtime state senator and state Senate majority leader, his seat, which is open uh, coming next year. The January 24th primary is when his name should be expected on the ballot, um, McManus, that is, and the March in March 12th is when the general election for that uh, District 32 seat is. While we don't know specifics yet, Bill Lee says he is working with his counsel to unwind himself from Lee Company, the company he has owned for many years and his family started. He is going to avoid any conflicts of interest, but his transition team has not yet said whether he'll place his holdings with the company in a blind trust. Governor Haslam did not do that with Pilot. Uh, Phil Bredesen did do that. That's it for Grand Divisions this week. We are still trying to get interviews for uh, you listeners to hear uh, from all three of the top folks that we're hoping to get with. Um, Bob Corker, uh, um, uh, Governor Haslam, as well as Governor-elect Bill Lee. Uh, we will be right back with those interviews. Hopefully, we're, we're trying to schedule one with Lee very soon, so that should be our next cast. Uh, if you want to continue to rate us and find us on iTunes, you can. Uh, you can check us out on our uh, new Twitter page, at Grand Divisions 3. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to email Natalie and myself. And this podcast uh, is always produced by John Garcia and Erica Whitney. Uh, My name is Joel Ebert, your host of Grand Divisions. And I'm Natalie Allison. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.